remember, actually, Sam and I both lost our moms a year ago. And so we can relate. And I'm sure any of you that have lost someone that's close to you, you know, when those things happen, it feels like everybody else's world is just continuing on, but yours has stopped. And it's, it's a very interesting thing to process. And, and here at the harbor, we really want to do life with each other. Um, when someone in our midst is hurting, we want to hurt with them. And when someone's celebrating, we want to celebrate with them as well. So this is a, a big, big part of our culture. It's one of the reasons that we are building up here, as we did in Pompano, on small groups. Um, starting next month, they'll be launching again. We'll be having our leaders come up here in September, first weekend of September, Labor Day weekend, and introducing those leaders to you because that way of engagement, of getting in each other's lives in a smaller level is how we really build real relationships, deep relationships. I mean, these times are wonderful and they're important. In Pompano, we, we did that for 10 years. You know, we had small groups on Sundays, three weeks out of the month, and we came together on the first Sunday, and it was amazing. We just saw such community, such depth of relationship, such discipleship built, and so we look forward to launching um, these small groups next, next month. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be really, really good. If you guys, we haven't told anybody about this meeting, so I don't even know why you guys are here. But anyhow, we're glad you're here. Um, thanks for coming. And um, we're really just building our, 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 our team here. And if you're like, hey, I, I want to be a part of this team, we have just a time together before the service. We actually, it takes us a few minutes to set things up. We have dinner. Um, that's on the house. We, we, we'll get more food if, if it gets consumed with more people. Um, but if you're interested in that, on the Welcome uh, Center out there, we have a, a list. Just put your name down. And it's a lot of fun because um, what used to be somewhat burdensome setup, now it's nothing at all, literally. Um, it's just a piece of cake. 10, 15 minutes, we're done. And then we have some food together. Then we pray in the back. And it's nice. And and then we can help assign you, find you a place here to, to, to be a part of what goes on in these meetings and stuff like that. Um, if you are not getting emails about West Palm, we need your information if you want to receive them. There's emails going out. So if you're like, man, I'm not hearing what's happening, um, fill out a connection card or on the mobile app. You can do that as well. And just say that you want to be put into the, the West Palm database and we'll keep you up to date with what's happening here. Okay. Um, my name is Darren Davis. It's an honor to be able to speak tonight. We have a, a team of teachers, um, men and women, that share the word of the Lord, and I have the privilege of getting to talk to you tonight. And I want to I take just a few minutes that we have remaining today, and I want to talk about how the gospel and the grace of God enables us to build and create a hope-filled future. Because, you know, when I look at, like, people that change the world, um, they were able to see something that was not present become a reality. They begin to, in the grace of God, begin to take whatever situation, whatever circumstance was going on, and, and, and especially when there was negative stuff that was happening, and somehow in the grace of heaven be able to create something beautiful out of brokenness. I, I'm writing a book right now, and I, I'm, I'm excited, you know, to, to almost, this thing's almost done, but it's called The 11th Hour, and it's, it's talking about this 11th Hour generation that is going to rise in the earth one day and literally see 
the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. It was actually the first message that Jesus ever preached, and it will be his last message that he will, be, that he will preach through a generation, which is the Spirit of the Lord is on us to turn things around, to bring recovery of sight to the blind and beauty where there's been ashes and joy where there's been mourning. You know, you see, when, when, when the world looks at like terrible things going on, they get so discouraged. But as the people of the Lord, we can get filled with hope that, wow, we're maybe living in a time when we could see the reality of that word of God fulfilled. Because anything in Jesus is possible. Do you believe that? I mean, anything, nothing is too big for God. It's actually in the worst moments that he does his best stuff. And so I just want to take a look at that tonight because here's what I want to start out with and just put this in your spirits. Did you know that the past doesn't have to be our future? I think, man, I, I, I am over seeing anybody paralyzed by anything that happened in their past. And the adversary strikes and he strikes strategically. He strikes when we're vulnerable. He strikes when we're weak. How many of you know when you've had that happen to you, you realize he doesn't fight fair? He doesn't fight fair at all. He's not even, you know, we think, oh, you know, maybe he's not that bad of a guy. No, he's worse than that bad of a guy, you know? There's not, there's not anything in him that's good. So he's, and, he, and he knows humanity. He's been studying us for 6,000 plus years. He knows our vulnerabilities. He knows our cracks. And, and, but the beauty in Christ is that our past doesn't have to be our future. And so we see this in Jeremiah 29, 11. We're going to kick off there where... This Old Testament prophet gets this word, and, and he says, For I know, and he's speaking on behalf of the Lord, he says, For I know the plans I have for you. So he's talking about something in the future. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Look what he says. He says, They are plans for good and not disaster. So even this prophetic word, and, and really any other prophetic word, should be talking about a hope-filled future. So even if something on the horizon that could be coming that would be meant for harm, we can prophesy the opposite and declare the good of God working in the midst of anything meant for anybody's harm to be turned around for a blessing, right? So he's talking about that. He said, to give you a future and a hope. Now, here's my question. This is what I think about a lot. Well, this is God's will right here. Why then do very few people, percentage-wise, actually step into a good future? Because that's a question we got to ask. Because when we're looking around our city, when we're going to go out and manifest uh, the beauty of Christ in our spheres of influence, like we are there to change those spaces. So when we don't see people manifesting a hope-filled future, what's the reason? So I want to just kind of give you that reason tonight because we've got to be equipped. These times together on, on first Sundays like this, there are times where we look in the word of the Lord and we, we hopefully, by the grace gifting on people that are teaching that comes from heaven, will be equipped, will mature, will understand the word of the Lord so we can take it out and apply it, make it very practical. So the answer, I believe, is that we need the wisdom of God. Everybody say wisdom of God. We need the wisdom of God to manifest a hope-filled future. 
a hope-filled future. So James, he says in chapter 1, verse 5, he says this, and this is incredible. This is an incredible promise. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and this is powerful, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. The, what my wife and I were walking the other night, and we just talked, we processed some things. My wife went back to school. We were three years into the church plant. Gosh, I guess that's been tw- 12 years ago now. And she got her doctorate degree. You know, it was a big accomplishment. It was a massive thing. When we had three little kids, we're in the midst of trying to get this church off the ground. It was a very difficult time in our lives. And my wife is brilliant. You know, she's a very, very intelligent woman who works very, very hard. And I remember going into one of her classes. If you've ever sat through a med school class, I mean, I know we have Dr. D in in the room, but there's others I'm sure that have studied along these lines. I could not understand one thing the guy was talking about. I mean, I was like, Lord, come on, like just give me, throw me a bone or something. Like I and this guy was just going on, and my wife's just sitting there, you know, taking notes and stuff. But now that she's in her career, she said, there's days when, um, you know, she just feels this bombardment against her mind, like, you are just so stupid. You just don't know anything. You're so... And this is what the enemy's trying to do to us. He's trying to say this to us. And, and let's just say, let's give the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say we don't really have a clue. We're trying to figure out life. We're like, my God, the, the world is so overwhelming. We don't even know how to fix all the problems. Good. Because then when we come to that place and we come to the end of ourselves and we just say to the enemy, listen, you have no power over me with anything you're saying right now. But what I do know is that, man, I can ask God and he's not going to tell me how dumb I am or how much I don't have this thing figured out. He's going to actually pour upon me wisdom to change the world. And I think there's a lot that we don't have because we don't ask for it. So tonight at the end, we're going to ask, we're going to say, God, Pour out your wisdom over our little church, over our little community in West Palm Beach so that we don't play games up here and we see this city changed. You know, I mean, we got enough people in the room right now to already change this city. God's going to build it to 300. If God can take a Gideon army and change a nation, for sure he can take 300 people and change the city of West Palm. Trust me. He is never the multitudes that bring a tipping point. It's, it's potency in the few. That, that, that get on their knees and they say, God, we need wisdom beyond our years, wisdom beyond our own intellect, wisdom beyond our own ability. And James said that if, that if you ask him, he will pour it out on you. Paul, I love, I love the wisdom of this apostle. And I want you to look at this with me in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8. He says, though I am the least deserving. Did you know that... That wisdom and power to change a city is not, that God puts on people's lives is not because you deserved it or I deserved it. He says, although I am the least deserving of all God's people, this is the grace of God. He says, he's graciously given me the privilege of telling the Gentiles. Look what, he's, look what he says that, that God's given him. He's graciously given him the privilege of telling the Gentiles the endless treasures that are available to them in Christ. In other words, I get to tell them about a hope-filled future. Because when you're talking about the Gentiles that he went to, look at the cities that he went to. He went to Corinth. He went to Ephesus. He went to places that were broken. People that had no hope. People that, that, that were you know, 
so just inundated in, in such just dysfunctional upbringing and living in the, in the cities that they live in. And he said, man, I get to go in there and I get to be a part of telling them about the beautiful Hopefield future that they have and reshaping their entire belief system. Tearing down the fortifications that they've given themselves to in the schools of thought that they've been taught since they were young and shifting their whole perspective on what life is all about. He said, I was chosen, verse 9, to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning. You see, there's a Bible verse in the Old Testament. You used to always intrigue me. He said, it says this. It says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. And I just forgot the second part of the verse. <laughs> yes. Say that again. The glory of kings to search it out. So God doesn't, he doesn't just turn over his wisdom to people that like aren't really hungry for it. He's, he's looking for those that, that really are like, something's got to give, God. Something's got to change. And maybe I'm the one. Like, listen, false humility would tell you, oh, don't really think high, more highly of yourself than you ought. No, listen, true humility is you are the answer to the city. You are the answer to what this city needs. You're one of the people that God's raising up. If you would seek out wisdom, he will give it to you liberally. Now, what he says in verse 10, I love this. He says, God's purpose in all this was to use, come on, the church to display his wisdom in a rich variety to all. Listen, I was telling, we were praying back there, and I was like, Lord, thank, we were praying, we were thanking God for this night tonight, and we were just rejoicing in the fact that these meetings, June, July, August, have pretty much just been for the Lord. Like, God, we get to be here before you for you and all of the heavenly hosts just to, just to watch what's taking place here. And then as you send us into action, you see, I believe that, that there's angels in heaven and they're like, Look at what the grace of God is doing through these human beings on the earth right now. These ones that are crying out for wisdom. There's, there's instruction coming to their minds, to their hearts. That's giving them strategy. Listen, we can't play church like normal in this hour. It's not. Business as usual is not going to get it done. We've got more churches in our city, more money being poured into Christianity, more charismatic leaders than ever before, and yet our cities are not being transformed. There's got to be a hunger that rises up in our hearts and says, something's got to change. Because people are out there living broken lives, and we're the answer to that. So we're going to put on the display of God's wisdom as the church, not a building, not a rented complex, people, the building of God in our hearts. So what's the mystery of how this works? I believe that the wisdom is ours because we possess the mind of Christ. 
The reason we can tap into wisdom is because we carry the mind of Christ already on the inside of us. Maybe we haven't utilized that. Maybe we didn't even know how much we really carry here in this realm. But as this awakens in us, trust me, we will come up with some of the most profound things in our minds and in our hearts that will break us outside of the box of our religious thinking to totally transform this city. I believe that with all of my heart. I think of guys like Albert Einstein. Actually, one of my favorite movies was Goodwill Hunting. Did you guys see that movie? And I was intrigued by it because here was this kid that had no education, really. Matt Damon was the actor in that movie, and he, he got these jobs working at, I don't know, what were the schools, Harvard or whatever, and, and they'd put out these problems, and then he would solve these problems that no one else could solve. In fact, as he got in and started working with these professors, some of the most brilliant minds that couldn't even, couldn't even you know, prove these mathematical equations, this guy who was never taught math was in there. And I was like, my God, what would it be like just for a day to get inside of this guy's mind? You know, it's, it's incredible, the gifts of God that, that are inside of our minds. But I want to say there's something way better than that. It's the mind of Christ. Look what, look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. He says, however, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we're among the spiritually mature. Now, here's the, here's the problem. I think that, that we've so dumbed down the gospel and, and I know we all need like some on-ramps into the faith. I understand all that, so please don't hear me what I'm not saying. But, but I believe that there's a time where we need to start really speaking about, you know, mature things. Because mature things are what's going to change a city. So he said, you know, we only talk about this stuff when we're the, uh, spiritually mature. But he said, it's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age. I wonder how much of the world's wisdom we're trying to bring into the church to see the city changed. He said, this wisdom that I'm talking about didn't or originate in this, in, this, in, this, in, this world, in this world system. It is not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm getting to. It did not come forth from the rulers of this age. How many of the rulers of this age think that they got it all figured out? You know, if I just do this or we just put this in motion, we'll see our nation made better. Well, maybe for a season and it tumbles right back down to, to where it once was, maybe even worse. And we're so looking for politics or a political leader, you know, to, to, to make things better. And, and I'm, I'm not against that. I think we should go into those spaces. But the point is, I think the church is the answer for the hope of the world. Instead, verse 7, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan, destined now, to the, destined now before the ages, to bring us into glory. Look what verse 9 says. This is why the scriptures say, come on, dream with me, things never discovered or heard of before. Things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for his lovers or for those that love him. Oh, man. He's just looking for those ones that are like, there's a lover. Here's some wisdom. In fact, that's what blew, blew the people away about the disciples. These were not learned men. They were fishermen. These were rough, tumble, tough people, you know? 
And, and, and then all of a sudden they're speaking these eloquencies of, of mysterious things. And people are like, my God, where did you get that? In fact, if you've ever sat in times with people that carry this, it's just, you could sit and listen to it all day. It's like, my good, it's like a river flowing from some other source. And you're just like, come on, more. You know, it's amazing. It really is. And his wisdom is our portion. Then we're going to look at a couple things here. But look at this with me. 1 Corinthians 2.16 For who has ever innately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Now look what he says. Christ has. And we possess Christ's perceptions. So there's only one person that's ever known the mind of the God. So think about this. We think, man, we elevate Albert Einstein. We elevate, you know, whoever. But all that pales in comparison to the mind of God. And Christ has known the mind of God. And we possess his perceptions on the inside of us. So a couple of things. Just practically, and then we'll be done tonight. Three things. What kind of wisdom do we need? Number one, I believe that we need Christ's wisdom to make right choices. Uh Uh-oh. Well, Darren, you're putting some personal responsibility on me now. I mean... I don't know if I can still become a member of the Harbor Church. It's a little heavy. Um, let's, let's think about these different theological views on choice. You know, one, one theological view is that choice is not relevant because the future is fixed and God is in total control. Free will thus is an illusion Because God has already predetermined tomorrow that cannot be affected by our choices. Hmm. Have you seen that one proved out in the earth? The other one is God has created a future that is open and we have free will and choice, but God doesn't know the future. And because of this, he is not actually in control at all. We are. Totally. Hmm. I don't know about that one either. Um, A third consideration, let me illustrate it like this. Did you know that there are computers today that have been designed with the ability to predict human choice? True story. They actually designed this company called Deep Blue. They designed this computer um, that could beat any human in a game of chess because it could predict the moves of the human before the human would make it. Now, think about this. A, A computer can't control the player's choice, can't control it, can't coerce the player's choice, but can predict where the player's going to go. 
I want to submit to you, friends, that God is way more complex than any computer on the planet. And he doesn't need to coerce you, and he doesn't need to control you. But trust me, he is always one step ahead of us the entirety of our lives. The future is not set, but it's set up. Do you want what's been set up for you? Seek wisdom, and you will have what you want. You see, because the gospel gives us the mind of God, we are able to tap into infinite intelligence. Where we can see that which he has prepared for us. That normally we would not be able to see. And we would be able to make Holy Spirit led choices. To step into that predetermined future. Darren what are you talking about? He said it clearly to the prophet. Before I even knew you. and for, or you, When you knew me and I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you. And I had a good and hopeful future for you. You see, this is where God wants to take us. The future is not set, but it is set up. And he is looking for those that really want to step into their destiny. And this begins all up in the place of identity, really knowing who we are. And then moving from identity into that place of intimacy with God. And out of intimacy, then everything else is a cherry on top. We're not after the ministry game here. We are after knowing who we are in Jesus and then knowing him intimately and walking with a bunch of friends who want to do the same thing. When all of that is set into motion, man, the, 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 the game of changing the world is already over. Because we're going to step into the predetermined future that God has for us. Because we are going after wisdom with all of our hearts. Because, you know, some of us, I mean, we, we can't make up for lost time. So, you know, man, what if, we, what if we, you know, wasted 20 years? God can take and redeem those 20 years in one moment and a download to your mind from his heart as you're seeking him. When he sees sincerity of heart, it's like, listen, I don't care, you know, if, if you've done this or not. I'm going to give you something bigger than yourself, and I'm going to empower you and back you with something of greater authority to really go and make an impact. This is why Corinthians in chapter 2, verse 9 says, Things never discovered or heard before. Things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things that God has for in store for his lovers. That's where I, the whole thing, like, if you love me, you will keep my commands. It's, it's, we think that's like some law. No, it's, it's, it's out of the place of love that we're empowered with wisdom to walk in what he's called us to walk in. Secondly, and we got to move quick because we just got a few more minutes. I want Christ's wisdom to expand our imagination. The devil is trying to keep us all thinking way too small. You know, we were created by a creator to be creative. Everybody in this room is creative. You may be created in a different way. You may be able to look at a business plan and shape that thing in the wisdom of God. Look at a house and know how to construct it. Look at a piece of music or an, a, a, you know, 
art piece or whatever. It, it's, it's, we're all creative in this way. But here's what the devil wants to do. He wants to back us into such a corner with our choices that our next choice, ultimately, here's what he tries to do. Back us into a corner with our choices. Bad choice, bad choice, bad decision, bad choice, bad choice. That our next choice will be our last choice because there's no way out. That's what he tries to tell people. I don't know, you guys see this thing on the news where this guy shot this doctor in, in, in retaliation against maybe something that happened to his mom on the operating table 20-something years ago. He held that thing in his whole heart. So he planned this whole thing, killed this doctor. They found out who he was. They, they, you know, they pursued him. He had actually on like a, one of those flak jackets. So he was going to take on the police, but he got backed in a corner, had no plans of ending his life. And I guarantee in that moment, the devil said, just go ahead and take your life right now. You have no way out. That's what he does with humanity. Innovation is creating out of the place of communion. Think about this. Like when you're stuck, when you're like, I don't know what to do right now. Come on, we've all been there. It's like you just feel the pressure bearing down. We have to discipline ourselves to get with God and say, Lord, here I am with you. I'm backed into a corner right now. I know this is not the end for me. Would you speak to me? Would you innovate through my mind and my heart right now to have a hope-filled future when everything is saying otherwise? That's why he says, not only things never heard of before, but things beyond, in chapter 2, verse 9, our ability to even imagine. So it's like things we don't know about and then things we've never thought about. Last thing is this. How about Christ's wisdom to then be bold with what he's told us to do? Oh, man. I could just run through these chairs right now. Just do a face dive through all of them. I swear to God. Because it's one thing, it's one thing like, you know, it's one thing to, to even make some right choices. It's another thing to, to, to innovate and get the word of the Lord for our lives. But then it's a whole other thing to do what he said and be bold about it. I was listening to a T.D. Jakes message. I don't know why I'm just in the T. I, I'm not, I never even listened to T.D. Jakes before. And you guys may hate T.D. Jakes. I don't care. I, I just, for whatever reason, been listening to his podcast. And, the, and I come away inspired every time. It's like, man, that guy can lift you up out of a pit, man. No problem. Like, you're down in the dumps. Listen to T.D. Jakes. You'll be all good by the end. Trust me. But he, he was talking in this one message. He said about, you know, like, like dreaming, what I'm kind of talking about tonight. He said, you got to write it. You got to write the vision down. You know how the, it says that in the word. You got to write it. And then he said, you got to read it. You got to remind yourself. And then you got to run with it. So he had the whole crowd. It was, you could just hear it. Was a, it was actually at a women's conference. And these women, it was thou art loose. They're going nuts. Write it, write it, read it, read it. You know, run with it, run with it. And you could just hear the, just, wow. I mean, they must have been just spinning coming out of that meeting. Right? You know, yelling at people, say, write it down, read it, run with it. But, 
But, but really, it's like, I appreciate. I appreciate people that get something from God and they're unashamedly bold and just go for it. And we should celebrate that in other people, you know? Instead of, all oh, look at them with their dreams. Bunch of dreamers. Hey, the, actually, you, you know, that, there's no honor in that. And I think that, that man, it's, it's, there's a, that verse in the Old Testament, like, I, I can't remember it right now exactly, but it was like, those, there was those ones, those ones who dreamed, you know? They see them coming. They're like a wave of hope filling the earth. Now, here's the thing. Boldness, got to be careful here, and I'm ending with this. Boldness does not mean trying to control a desired outcome. There's a big difference between being bold and being controlling. I think we've seen enough control in the church. Can I get an amen? Maybe an oh my or oh ow. But it's not trying to control a desired outcome but rather confidently trusting in the mind of God that has been revealed to you concerning your future, even though it may not look like that is happening at the time. That's always the story, by the way, as it relates to being bold with what you feel like you've heard. Come on. Every single time God speaks to me, right on the backside of it comes doubt, fear, every time. And I've learned, okay... God, you downloaded something to me. Okay, I know what's coming next. How, how heavy is it going to be? How big is the doubt button going to be pushed this time? You know? That's why we need prophetic words. God will send like these prophetic words, you know? And, and actually, I don't want any more prophetic words because when the prophetic word comes, it's just giving you strength to hold on and mo- get through the moment because you're going to need a whole lot more strength to get through the future that's actually coming your way. I'm like, I just want to hear the quiet whisper. And just believe it. That's it. Because think about it. Like when Jesus, I mean, he had a word of resurrection given to him before going to the cross. Well, no one saw the hope of that when he was down in the ground. When he descended into hell for three days. But it doesn't matter what we see because stuff's happening. He was going down and he was going to take those keys back and tell the devil, you don't have any more authority on the earth. Give them back. You've lost your right. You tried to to take me out? You thought this was the way? This ends you, man. You're over from this point on. And we don't even realize that that's what happened. We're so afraid of some demon or some person out there to say something about it when God has already taken back all the keys of authority and handed them right over to us when everything has been put on display publicly with what took place on the cross 2,000 years ago. Why shouldn't we be bold? I mean, those guys, they were scared to death until after the resurrection. Then they're, all of a sudden, they're like, crucify me upside down. Okay, what changed? They saw the promise of the word that had been given to them. And then you get a few of those under your belt, and it's like David. I saw the bear slayed. I saw the lion slayed. Goliath, who are you? (laughs) 
Let's end by just asking him tonight. Simple altar call for all of us. God, we need wisdom. We need the mind of Christ, which we already possess, and the grace that that possession gives us to make the right decisions. And we're not going to second guess those decisions. We're just going to make the ones that you tell us to make. And when necessary, we will consult a plurality of counsel, which is wise as well. We're not going to do this alone. We're going to go far together. And we ask for the mind of Christ to imagine things that we've never seen or that we've never been told. Because God, we were so prone to stay stuck in ruts, stuck in tradition, stuck in doing things the way they've always been done. Would you give us your mind for this generation? And I'm asking that you would fill us with boldness when we've received both of those things so that we can carry on with the good work of Jesus in the earth. Awaken these friends in this room. Awaken those that will listen to this message to be change agents in the earth, Lord. We love you. Thank you for the city of West Palm Beach. Thank you for Palm Beach County. Thank you for the work of God in this region through a multiplicity of churches and one that we just get an honor of being a part of as the harbor. We trust you to provide for all of our needs, bring the right people, open up the right tools of facilities so that we can do what you've called us to do. We love you. In Jesus' name. Listen, you guys are awesome. I want to introduce someone to you. Daniel, would you stand up back in the back and just wave your hands to us? Hey there. So she's helping us with set up and tear down, and she's basically our, all of our bosses. You know, So she tells us, hey, I need you guys to grab this, do that. And if you guys wouldn't mind, um, if you want to help us with either sound tear down, with that, actually that would be through Justin and the team, Kevin, um, get with them. They're going to unhook some stuff, and we just got to haul it down to some cars. And then the other stuff up here, like signs and different things in the room, literally that plus the kids' stuff, 10 minutes and we'll be done. So get with Danielle. She'll help organize that. Connection cards, list out there. And then please tell some of your friends about the September thing. I know it's Labor Day weekend, and um, we'll have the real Christians here that, that, that Sunday. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but... It's going to be fun. It's going to be a nice weekend, so we look forward to seeing you guys then. God bless you guys. Have an awesome rest of your weekend.